When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Hello and welcome to The Mission. I'm your host, Jameer Howerton. And guys, football is back. And I don't know about you, but I am super excited to see some action back on the field. Now, I know guys are knocking off some ring rust and we hope to see some really great football. I'm talking guys in shape that can run sideline to sideline over the course of the next three to four weeks. But at any rate, football is back and it's great to see guys in action. We have a jam-packed show for you. We are so honored to have the first African-American quarterback who was enshrined in the Pro Football um, Hall of Fame 2006. Mr. Warren Moon will be joining us right here on the mission. Um, I'm so excited to talk to Mr. Moon. I'm looking forward to getting his perspective on week one because week one we had a chance to see a historic number of 10 african-americans starting at the quarterback position so it's only fitting that we have one of the pioneers um someone who was really instrumental in laying down the foundation for this next generation but before we jump into the show let's jump into some news and notes surrounding the nfl and the pro football hall of fame Well, the much-anticipated Battle of Ohio between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals kicked off Thursday night football from First Energy Stadium. It's always great to have a primetime game right in your backyard just to bring some type of energy and some life to the city. So it was really cool to have that. But more importantly, halftime. The halftime presentation was amazing because the world came together and had a chance to celebrate the 100th birthday of the NFL in the very place where it was founded, Canton, Ohio, September 17, 1920. So the halftime presentation unveiled the 11 monuments, player pylons, which check this out, included the names of all 25,000 488 players to ever play in the first 100 years of the NFL. Amazing, amazing. And also live on that broadcast, Fox Sports analyst Joe Buck was named the Pete Rozelle Award. Now check this out. This award was created in 1989 and it's bestowed annually by the Pro Football Hall of Fame for longtime exceptional contributions to radio and television in professional sports. So congratulations to Mr. Joe Buck. The NFL featured a portion of gold jacket LaDainian Tomlinson's moving 2017 enshrinement speech during the kickoff of its It Takes All of Us campaign that spotlights equality. Also during week one, we saw NFL players showing their solidarity by taking a knee and also locking arm to arm uh, during the national anthem. And some teams chose to stay in the locker room as a unit um, for both anthems, lift every voice and sing, and the national anthem. Pro Football Hall of Famer Johnny Robinson has been recognized for his dedication for helping you through the Johnny Robinson Boys Home as the recipient of the Angel Award from the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Louisiana Foundation. Congratulations to Gold Jacket Johnny Robinson. 
And lastly, Pro Football Hall of Famer Joe Montana is making headlines as the newest member of ESPN Plus for its detailed programs. Montana will explain key plays in two games from his career with the San Francisco 49ers, a 1989 regular season contest, and Super Bowl 24 from that season. So we look forward to Mr. Joe Montana, AKA the GOAT in action. And lastly, we wanna give a happy birthday shout out to some Hall of Famers, Dan Marino, Happy birthday, sir. Will Shields, happy birthday, sir. And Dan Hampton, happy birthday to our gold jackets. Well, this concludes our news and notes. We'll be back with our special guest right after this message. The Hall of Fame shop. Where else would you rather be? Shop the Hall of Fame store just like Hall of Famers do for exclusive Hall of Fame gear. Open seven days a week, nine to five. There's no admission to come and shop. The holiday season is right around the corner and you can make your family and friends Hall of Famers. With all 32 teams in the store, there's something for all football fans. Come shop the Hall of Fame store or visit profootballhof.com store. Well, as promised, we are now joined by Pro Football Hall of Famer, Mr. Warren Moon, who is one of the featured gold jackets at the Pro Football Hall of Fame's holographic exhibit, A Game for Life. Mr. Moon, welcome to the mission. Thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really uh, appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to, to our discussion this morning. You know, Mr. Moon, during your, I want to say testimony, if you will, um, the Game for Life, you really did a great job of just highlighting some of the struggles and the path um, that came to be. With that being said, week one of the NFL is in the books. And as we look to week two, just want to take a step back, though. Week one, we were honored to see a historic 10 African-Americans starting at the quarterback position. Cam Newton, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Tyrod Taylor, Deshaun Watson, Dwayne Haskins, Kyla Murray. How proud of you, first and foremost, how proud of you for these young men just being a starting quarterback in general for an NFL team? Yeah, yeah I'm very proud of all those guys. And, and uh, they're all doing a great job on the field. They're doing a great job off the field. And they're being leaders in their community. And that's something that the, the quarterback position has always incorporated you know, all those different things. You're, you're not only the leader of your team or your organization, but you're a leader in your community. And all these guys have stepped up, especially during this time of racial injustice and that, and they've lended their voices and their leadership uh, to these causes. So I'm proud of these guys for the fact that they're playing great football, that they're being great leaders on the field, but they're also being great leaders in their communities. Mr. Moon, these players stand on the shoulders of yourself, Shaq Harris, um, Doug Williams, Randall Cunningham, just to name a few, and I know you know many more. Um, but how does it make you feel to know that you were and are a part of the movement that has set the path and the foundation for this next generation? You know, you know, Jameer, um, that's something I'm probably most proud of in my career is that the fact that I was able to help make change, and I, and I played a small part in that. Uh, you know, we talk about civil rights, we talk about what we're what we're uh, fighting for today with with uh, with human rights and different things like that, 
during my day, we were fighting for the for just trying to get on the football field as as African American quarterbacks, and that was that was our own little fight within a fight. Uh, you know, it's not a it's not a big thing in the in the big picture of of the world, but it was big as far as National Football League was concerned. Because again, when you start talking about your quarterback of your football team in an NFL city, you're talking about one of the the most uh, important leaders in your in your city I think if you talk to most people in most cities their quarterback of their football team is probably more popular than the mayor of the city probably more people know the name of their starting quarterback than they do the name of the mayor so you you have a tremendous amount of uh, a voice you have a tremendous amount of leadership in that community and I think that's something that was always kept away from us because we want us to be leaders in the community as well and, and that's something we broke through on Mr. Moon, why do you think it took long for teams in the NFL to realize that, A, a black man can lead a team, but more importantly, play the most important position on the field? You know, it's the mindset, but it's the mindset that goes all the way back to when we were brought here in slavery, that uh, this is what we were thought of as, as human beings and sometimes less than human beings, that we were only thought of to be workers and we were going to not have any more worth than, than just to work for somebody to help build what they wanted to build. And, and once you were done with them, uh, there was nothing left for you. You know, there was no future left for you. There was no way of becoming uh, self-dependent, any of those types of things. And that's just the way we've always been thought of as we've come here. And that's just uh, been through the different generations thought of the same way. So it's no surprise that when it got up, when we got up into the, you know, the fifties and the sixties that people still thought that same way about being able to play quarterback, because again, it's, it's one of those positions that's probably the most uh, critical that there is in team sports and, and one of the most important positions in team sports. So uh, there's no, there's no question that they're not going to think we have the worth to, to be able to do that based off of what we were thought of when we were first brought here. When you look back at your playing careers, was there ever a moment in time where you just said, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm ready, you know, just to, to give up. You know, I thought about it when I came out of college that um, when I wasn't going to get drafted as a quarterback, I felt like, okay, then I'm not going to play the game anymore because I'm not going to change positions and try and play a position that I've never played before at the professional ranks. Uh, but when the Canadian Football League opportunity came about, that gave me a little bit more hope that I could still continue to play the game. But, yeah, there was a time where if I didn't have that opportunity to go to play in Canada, I probably would have gave up my chance to play any type of football and just would have went to law school because that was my, my second option. 2006, your enshrinement speech, you talked about the burden, sir. And you talked about, you know what, I just want to be recognized as a quarterback. I don't want to carry this burden. But if you could just talk about that burden and how did that burden feel? What did that burden feel like for you? You know, in, in some ways it was, uh, it was, it was heavy, uh, but it was also, you know, another challenge in my life that, uh, that I was willing to put, willing to put energy into and, and well, felt like it was worth it. Um, so I knew that there was another generation of young guys who, deserved an opportunity to play this position and play it well, they just needed an opportunity. And that's something that I almost wasn't given an opportunity to play the position just as so many others weren't. So I felt like if I played well enough, 
Randall Cunningham felt the same way if he played well enough. Doug Williams felt the same way if he played well enough. Shaq Harris felt the same way. That if, if we played at a high enough level, maybe we changed the mindset of owners. Maybe we changed the mindset of general managers and coaches that we could play this position and it would open up more opportunities for uh, other young African-American quarterbacks. So that's what keeps you going. Not only the fact that you love the game and you love winning and you love playing in a team, but you also knew that there was something bigger out there that you were going after. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. When you study these guys, um, whose game most resembles Warren Moon? You know, that's a good question. I've been asked that question a lot. Uh, I think my game uh, resembles probably a combination of a Dak Prescott and a, and a Russell Wilson um, because we, we're both good thrower or all three of us are good throwers from the pocket. We all have escapability and things like that, but we're not the, the greatest runners in the world, but we knew how to at least buy time. We knew how to make yards when we needed to. And I was that way earlier in my career. As I got older, I got smarter and it felt like, okay, I'm not going to let these guys hit me anymore. I'm going to throw the ball to all my different receivers and let those guys make the plays. But earlier in my career, I could move around pretty good and, and uh, still throw the football from the pocket as well. And not to single anybody out, but who was that one quarterback that you're just so impressed with that it's like must-see, it's like, whoa, 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 I got to watch this guy play. I love to break his game down. Today or, or in, in over history? Um, within, within the 10 quarterbacks, within the 10 African-American quarterbacks that started week one. Well, I'm still amazed by Patrick Mahomes and what he's been able to do in such a short period of time. Coming in this league in your first school year and win an MVP and then your second year win a Super Bowl in an MVP, I mean, that's uh, nobody's really done anything like that. So his, his career is off to a great start. Sky is the limit. Uh, he still has you know, a lot of work to do to get one of those gold jackets on, but he is well on his way. Have you ever had the opportunity to mentor any of these young, young, young quarterbacks? You know, I have. I've had, uh, I, I, I uh, trained Cam Newton coming out of college when he was at uh, Auburn to get him ready for the NFL draft and the combine. Uh, I've had relationships with many of the young guys over the years, whether it was Donovan McNabb, whether it was uh, 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 Robert Griffin III, um, I mean, I, I can go on and on. All the guys that I talked to, Jameis Winston, all these guys I, I've had uh, relationships with and I talk to or I, I text them all the time just to, to let them know that I'm watching what they're doing and if they need any help from me or if they need any advice, I'm here for them. Uh, same thing with Deshaun Watson. Um, all these guys have, have really um, been good to me as far as reaching out to me to tell me how much they respected me and, and watched my career. And uh, I want to give the, the, the same thing back to them as far as advice, because even though these guys are all doing well, they're all playing well, they still deal with some of the same things that, that I had to deal with or, or Shaq or, or Doug had to deal with as far as racism is concerned. And you want to have somebody that's gone through that because that's the only way you really know how to deal with it is to have somebody who's gone through it themselves. And I definitely have and so have those other guys. So we're all there as just sounding boards for them if they ever need us. And if you don't mind sharing, what is that advice? What is that golden advice that you give to them? Well, the big thing is you just have to be yourself and understand that, that you're, not gonna, um, you're not gonna satisfy everyone out there. And, and uh, there is a lot of racism in our, in our country and there are people that are looking for you to do bad. 
It doesn't matter what, what area you are as an African-American. So you just have to understand that and just keep, just keep your, uh, your head to the grindstone. Keep, um, keep setting your goals high and just keep going after your goals and almost have like a racehorse, just have blinders on where you don't, you don't look and see what's on the other sides of you. you. You're looking straight ahead at what you have your eyes set on and don't worry about the outside noise. Don't worry about all the negativity out there. Just keep it positive and stay positive within the group of people that you surround yourselves with and know what your abilities are. Mr. Moon, thank you so much for that conversation. And I, and I know it can get really heavy and deep at times, but we really appreciate your perspective because, you know, to get this perspective from the first African-American quarterback that was enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is truly an honor. Um, before we let you go, just to kind of um, switch gears and lighten the mood a bit, we want to get your top five. We need your top five. Top five wide receivers. They don't have to be Hall of Famers, but who is Warren Moon's top five wide receivers and why? That'd be of all time, not playing today. All time, not playing today. Guys that maybe you would maybe would want to have on your team to throw to, but it's Warren Moon's top five. Well, I think number one would be Jerry Rice. Uh, you know, he holds all the records. I had a chance to play in a couple of Pro Bowls with him, and I understand why he is who he is. The way the guy works, he's very meticulous in everything that he does. Probably not the greatest athlete at the, at the wide receiver position, but nobody ever caught him from behind, and he runs some of the most precise routes you ever want to see. Um, I think Randy Moss, he's one of, probably one of the greatest – athletes to play the the wide receiver position i mean he's six foot four he runs like a deer great leaping ability he was a great basketball player in high school so those 50 50 balls he can go up and really make you look good uh, as a quarterback uh, i think another guy i really liked was calvin johnson um you know his career was a little bit short you know played with detroit so really never got a chance to be on the big national stage too much but what a talent that he was um would have loved to have thrown the football at him. Would have been 6'5", 230 pounds, and, and, and could run again like a deer. So you, you notice the, the guys that I'm, uh, I'm mentioning are, are big, big receivers that can run. Those are guys that make it easy for the quarterback to make com completions because they, uh, they have that catch radius that you don't have to be as accurate with these guys. You just throw it up in this vicinity, and they're going to make a play on the football. Um, I think another guy who would, would, uh, would be on that list would probably be Michael Irvin. Uh, mm. I just love his tenacity. I just love his de desire, tenacity to get to the football. If, if the ball is up in the air, he's going to somehow come down with that catch, uh, and, and he's a motivator. He's going to motivate not only himself, but he's going to motivate the rest of the football team. And probably your quarterback, too. He'll probably get in my face and, and, and get me going if, if I'm not doing right. And I have no problem with that. And then a, another guy that I really love is Julio Jones, who's playing today. Uh, he's, he runs great, great routes, great acceleration. He's really good after the catch. And he's just a consistent 12 to 1,500-yard receiver every year he's in the league. So that's five guys. There's, there's, there's many, many more. There's right. no question about it. You know, Chris Carter, who I've played with in Minnesota, um, he's right there with those guys, but probably doesn't have the speed of those guys that I was talking about. But another guy that just, when the ball's in the air, he's going to come down with it. And that's what I loved about playing with Chris. Awesome. Awesome. And lastly, your top five stadiums that you enjoyed to play in. Top or, five. Or, 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 or may not enjoy to play in because they could have <laughs> been your opposing team that you knew you were going to beat that team up and you were going to hear 
oh, you had to turn around like, uh huh, I scored on you today. Yeah. Well, I think number one would be wherever I was playing, my hometown. My home team stadium is going to be the best because, especially when I was in Houston for 10 years, you know, we, we had a place in the Astrodome called the House of Pain. And, and uh, people hated to come in there and play. We had great fans. Uh, Texas fans are, are very knowledgeable and they're very loud and, and very loyal. So that was probably one of the best places I like to play. I, I love to, uh, to go to Kansas City and play because that atmosphere up there was electric. You know, 80,000 people all in red. They made a lot of noise up there, and, and it was a very, very tough place to play. So you always love playing in places where you knew it was going to be loud, but it, if you went in there, you wanted to try and make that place as silent as you possibly could. And I had one of my biggest days ever as a, as a quarterback playing in Kansas City. I threw for over 500 yards up there against a very, very good Chiefs team. Uh, but that place was, it was really quiet by the end of the football game. So – that was something that I loved. Then I loved playing in Florida. I loved playing in Miami. I loved playing in Tampa because they had great grass down there. And you always loved playing on grass, especially if you were um, a, a team that played indoors on AstroTurf like I did almost my whole career. Whenever you got a chance to go out and play on some nice grass, it was always good. And then I loved playing in San Diego. Um, same reason. They had a really nice grass field. And uh, my family always got a chance to come up there and see me play from Los Angeles uh, in San Diego. So those are some of my top stadiums that I love playing in. Mr. Moon, once again, we want to thank you so much for joining right here on the mission. Take care. God bless you. Stay safe. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on, my brother. And uh, stay safe with yourself and you and your family. Will do, sir. What an amazing conversation with Gold Jacket Warren Moon. I got to tell you guys, there were three things that I took away from that conversation. Number one, the burden that he carried and how he carried it proudly. Number two, the way he still mentors the next generation of quarterbacks. And number three, I had to laugh to myself because kids may not know who the mayor of their city is, but they know who the starting quarterback of their team in that city. And guys, whether you like it or not, you are a leader in that community. Well, this concludes your mission podcast for this week. I'm Jameer Howerton. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Take care.